0: Listening to Vantage Point Podcast, dedicated to giving godly perspective to everyday living. Let's get into this week's episode. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Vantage Point Podcast. I'm your host, Nick, and whichever platform you're listening on, man, I'm so glad you're here and made it. If this is your first time listening, At a vantage point, welcome. Make sure to subscribe or follow, depending on the platform again. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we would love a review and also make sure to subscribe. And if you're a returning listener, I encourage you to check out um, our last series, um, even if you're a new listener, any any listener really, check out our last series called Dream Vision. It was a four-part series where we looked at the life of Joseph in Genesis and even answered the question, can we dream beyond what we see? Um, and as I mentioned last week, it is March 1st. and we're going to jump into a brand new five-part series titled, Who Is This Jesus? God had really been dealing with me uh, about the series that that I had slated in March and really challenged me to go a different direction. And so, again, just really trying to be obedient. And one of the things that just kept popping into my head, and especially in prayer and, and, and just really confirming that word, the question I kept hearing is, who is this Jesus? And really for over 2,000 years, that's that's been a question, Um, whether it's been a non-believer, everyone in between, theologians, we've all at some point thought the question or even asked it, right? And really, there's really been nobody in history um, that's garnered as much attention and intrigue and interest than Jesus Christ. And I want to read this statement that really stuck out to me when I was prepping, and it says, Jesus has been acclaimed as the greatest religious leader who ever lived, and the most influential person to have lived on this planet. Jesus is so, new, so unique that no one can be compared to him. Considering Jesus Christ only on the basis of an exemplary life and his superior moral teaching will not remove the stumbling blocks to Christianity raised by an unbelieving world, The real test of what one thinks of Jesus must revolve around who he claimed to be and what he accomplished during his brief mission to our planet. On conclusion, our conclusion, excuse me, must be that there is no Christianity without Christ. All centers in him. The predominant theme of the scriptures is the person and work of Jesus Christ. He is God. He became a human being, died by crucifixion, and was buried. He rose again from the dead. He is the only all-sufficient Savior of the world. He will come again to this earth. Removing this from the scriptures robs them of all coherent meaning and continuity. I really believe that this series is not only going to be a staple um, in, in in this journey that we're on, but I believe it's going to be a series that's going to help people know Jesus. You're going to get to know him more. And for those that are asking the question for the first time, who is this Jesus, this is going to be your opportunity to be introduced to him. Uh, Jesus only had his ministry on earth for three years, but even today, 2021, his influence, his words, his mission are just as relevant and impactful as they were when he walked the earth. I believe the reason so many people uh, asked about Jesus is there is a desire to know him. Uh, they, 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 they want to know, is he who people say he is? They want to know, is he who he says he is? And if you go back to uh, the promo video, if you saw it on Instagram or Facebook, um, you hear the voice of Pastor Billy Graham, and, and that clip uh, those clips were actually from a series, a message he did in 1971 uh, titled, Who is Jesus?, uh, he He was preaching this message to a large crowd in Chicago, and he was answering the question "Who is Jesus and, and there was so much packed in this message and I really encourage you to go watch it. I may even post it on on my social media, but really to kick this series off, I felt like there was no other real way to do it um, by without clearing the air on some things about Jesus. And for, so for part one of who is this Jesus, uh, this episode is for the record. And we're just going to jump right into it. And so for point one, for the record, he is God and man. John 1030 says, I am the, I and the Father are one. Um, C.S. Lewis uh, real, it has a book. It's called Mere Christianity. And he writes the following. It says, I am trying here to prevent anyone from saying, the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus Christ. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. And and, and that's just something we can't say, right? We we can't literally take um, saying that a man who, who was merely a man and then say all the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher, right? And so he, he would either be crazy on a level with a man um, just outside of his mind, right? But at the end of the day, we have to make a choice, right? Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else he was just a regular man talking crazy on those three years of his ministry, right? Um, and, and we can look at it that way. You know, we, we see people who tried to shut him up. They tried to they spit at him. They killed him. Um, or or even try to deny and and, and reduce him to nothing but a liar and, and, and a demon, or they fell at his feet and called him Lord and God. But we can't. Fall into that thing, and even some religions fall into that, where where it's a it's like a half acceptance of who he is, right? And 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 really, who did Jesus claim to be? What does the Bible say? Well, first, again, looking at John ten thirty, I am I and the Father are one, right? Um, At first glance, that might not seem. Like it's a claim to be God, right? But however, if you look at the reaction a little bit later in John ten thirty three, the Jewish people react. They say, we are not stoning you for any of these good works that you did, replied the Jews, but for blasphemy because you, a mere man, claim to be God. And what the Jewish people understood, they understood Jesus' statement as a claim that he was indeed God. And in the following verses, again, Jesus never corrects them. He, he didn't say, I didn't claim to be God. And this, again, further confirms that that's exactly what he was doing. He was telling them, no, I and the Father are one. Um, even in John 8, fifty eight, it says, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Again, in response, the Jewish people took up stones. And they in uh, verse 59, they attempted to stone him. Um, Jesus, even think about it this way, Jesus announcing his identity as I am it is clearly a correlation of the Old Testament name for God, e- reference Exodus 3.14, and, and, and literally to say the words I am put you in the same context, put you in the same being as God. Uh, one of my favorite uh, verses is John one one. It says the Word was God, and then John one fourteen says the Word became flesh. And so this clearly indicates if the Word was God, and then the Word became flesh, right? Jesus became flesh. He is the Word. He is God, and He became flesh in the form of a, a baby, right? Even Thomas, the disciple, declared to Jesus, "My Lord, My God." And Jesus doesn't correct him. You hear that from Apostle Paul in Titus 2.13. Paul describes him as our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, Even Peter in in 2 Peter 1 and 1 says, our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. God the Father is witness of Jesus' full identity as well. But about the Son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom Old, Old Testament prophecies even uh, of Christ announce his deity. For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace, Isaiah 9, 6. And really, if we go back to that C.S. Lewis statement, right, believing Jesus is just a good teacher— Uh, A good preacher is is not an option, right? Jesus clearly and undeniably claimed to be God. And and really think about it this way. If he is not God, then that would make him a liar and therefore not a prophet, good teacher, or godly man. And in attempts to explain away those words, even scholars claim, you know, the true historical Jesus did not say uh, many of these things attributed to him. But When you think about it, we we have God's word confirming what Jesus did or did not say, right? And and I love this way that C.S. Lewis puts it. He says, how can a scholar 2,000 years removed from Jesus have better insight into what Jesus did or did not say than those who lived with, served with, and even were taught by Jesus Christ? And really, this question of 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 his identity, right? it's it's again, it's all wrapped into that. Who is this Jesus? Who is he? right? and And really, the most important reason that Jesus has to be God is that if he is not God, his death would not have been sufficient to pay the penalty for the sins of the whole world. O- only God could pay such a penalty, such a price, right? Jesus had, to be god he has to be god so that he could pay our debt pay for our sins and then become uh who he is at, at, at the resurrection right and, and salvation again we know is only available through faith in jesus christ and, and i love again john fourteen six. it says i am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me when we're talking about for the record point number two He is influence. Um, When I I was working on this point, one of the things that I was reminded of was something I saw on social media uh, maybe about a week or so ago, and it was talking about the most influential uh, NBA basketball players and uh, quote-unquote Mount Rushmore, if you will, um, of influential players pretty much since the, the 80s and on, right? And the four players on this Mount Rushmore were Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Allen Iverson, and LeBron James, and when you look at each of them, um, if you're a basketball fan like me, uh, you you can definitely see why each of them were chosen. Right, you see what LeBron James is doing right now when it comes to leading is being a leading voice for social injustice and change, um, even. Um, to the degree of where you know, showing the modern professional athlete being empowered to you know choose their own path, so to speak, what team they want to play for, And you see that influence continuing to drive in the sports. Um, you you look at Allen Iverson uh, when when it came to hip hop culture, it was something that he. Literally imposed on the NBA And it continued to grow And continue to build Whether it was hairstyles Tattoos Clothing You name it He was literally a trendsetter Uh, And and even Kobe Bryant uh, When you think about Kobe You think about Mamba mentality And how every athlete um, has an understanding of what that means uh, and, and even will, will coin it for themselves and, and when they are up putting in the work, putting in the effort to be better and get better. Uh, and then the, the, the one and only Michael Jordan, right, when you think about influence, right, one of the most influential, uh, if not the most influential basketball player, maybe even athlete, right, when you think about it, uh, Michael Jordan stopped playing basketball, Probably almost, I think, 20 years ago. But yet, to this day, he is still releasing shoes. Uh, The first pair of Jordans released in 1985. We're talking 36 years of influence. And then you think about Jordan Brand and all of these things, right? And, And when you really look at all four of them, right, that's a lot of influence. We can see those impacts in every facet of what we just talked about. But literally... When in comparison to the influence of Jesus Christ, there is no comparison. This is somebody who Jesus is someone who had a ministry that was only three years. He only lived to be 33. And yet for over 2000 years, that that impact is still thriving to this day. And even whether it's the life of Jesus Christ, the teachings of Jesus Christ, any facet of his ministry is still influencing the world today. So much so when you compare back then to now, we literally have over 7 billion people on this planet and close to one third of the global population of Earth identify as christian uh when you think about influence that that's something that really stands out and even when you saw the influence of the people who who followed Jesus and turned away from their own lives, turned away from their sins, right? You know, in Luke 8 2, he cast out seven demons from Mary Magdalene, and then she became a devoted follower and told other people uh, that Jesus had risen from the dead. And she was a powerful uh, piece in terms of his ministry. Um, even uh, the, a tax collector um, back in John 2016, uh, he repaid people with whom he cheated when collecting taxes, and even gave half of what he owned to the poor. Uh, when when followers were filled with the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, they were able to go and declare the message of Jesus, perform miracles, and even live and live free from their sin. Literally, two thousand years that Jesus Christ has been changing. The people of this world, uh, long after his death and resurrection, he's still influencing people today, right? And, and when we think about influence, when we think about what that means, it means you you're 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 in, you're igniting change within somebody based on your actions, based on your words, based on your 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 being, really, right? And and that's one of the things that we know. Like if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Second Corinthians five. 517. And that's literally the power and influence of Jesus Christ. He'll literally deliver you from sin's addiction and renew your mind and heal your hurts. And that really brings me to point three of For the Record. And that point is this, he is for everybody. Now, I know you might be thinking like, of course, Jesus is for everybody. But the sad truth about this point is that we've allowed the issues of this world to project a message that Jesus is only for people who believe. Whether it's from religion, our own thoughts or misconceptions, somebody we know, we, we somehow have have fallen into this mindset that Jesus can't be for me because of who I am. And, and think about where you currently are right now. Think about the stage of life you're in right now, right? Maybe you are a Christian. Maybe you're faith-filled. Maybe you're Jesus-loving, and you know that you know that you know that Jesus Christ is for you, right? But maybe you're listening to this, and, and you aren't a believer. Maybe you're just out there living life, right? And, and, and you might think that Jesus doesn't love you, right? You might be a part of the LGBTQ community, and, and you've been told for so long that Jesus could never love you. He he doesn't love what you do. He doesn't, you know, there's a difference in not agreeing with what you do, but still having love for you because of who you are, not what you identify or who you identify, but who you are. Because at the base of things, the true, if you strip everything down to the lowest common denominator, the one thing is true. Oh, for the 7.8 billion people on this planet. We are all God's children, and he, Jesus Christ the Son, is for us. And Luke 3.15 says, As the people were in expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ. And I want you to think about it this way, because even this this whole theory that that Jesus was only for certain people, it didn't start with with us here now in twenty twenty one and before. It was back in the in, in biblical times, right? Jesus is the Messiah, right? Meaning he's the promised deliverer of the Jewish nation, and so the Jewish people uh, have been anticipating his return, his his this Messiah for centuries. He was born into a Jewish family. He was raised according to Jewish law in a Jewish town. He selected Jewish disciples. He spoke in Jewish temples and synagogues and mostly traveled to Jewish areas during his mission. And it was which was in fulfillment of the Jewish prophets. Um, even though all of that, right? All of those things, the one thing that we still know is that despite that, that alignment to the Jewish people, which is accurate, It doesn't mean that Jesus was only for the Jewish people. And I love what it says in Matthew 15, uh, verses 22 to 29. We see this interesting exchange uh, between Jesus and a Canaanite woman. And it says, and behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he, Jesus, did not answer her a word. then Jesus answered her, O oh woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. And what we what I love about that scripture is we see that this woman's persistence, right? She wasn't a Jewish uh, she wasn't of a Jewish background. She was a Canaanite woman. She was what was called then a Gentile in that area, right? If you are a non-Jew, you are a Gentile. And and what we see is Jesus answers her and, and literally says, your faith is great. Be it done for you as you desire. He saw in her the faith and the pressing to get to him again. What what did I say earlier? There's just something about Jesus that everybody wants to know. Everybody wants to get to. Everybody wants to be connected to. And this woman knew deep down that I have to get what you have for me and my house. And it didn't stop there with the Canaanite woman. Luke 7, 1 and 10, Jesus healed a Roman centurion servant. Um, in Mark 5 and 1, he traveled through the Gentile regions. In John 4, he ministered in the Samaritan city. Jesus came to save everybody. Jesus is God himself. He died on a cross as a payment for all of our sins, mine, yours, everybody's. He rose from death and resurrection. He was and still is the good shepherd. John ten sixteen says this, and this is Jesus speaking, and I love this verse. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also they too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus wasn't just the Savior for the Jewish people. He is a Savior for all mankind. And I promise you, if you don't take anything else from this episode, take this. Jesus Christ is the Savior for all humanity. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus came to earth, and he went to the cross for you. And, and I love this quote by, by Billy Graham. And it says, why did Jesus leave heaven's glory to come down to live amid Earth's filth and corruption? He came for one reason. He came to save us from our sins. He came to save you from your sins. He came to save me from my sins. He came to save everyone on this earth, 7.8 billion people. He came to save from their sins. And, and you know, as I close this episode out, I when I again, back to something I said earlier, this series, I believe is going to really impact some people. It's really going to um, help people understand um, who Jesus is because again, I think as as much as we have heard and and have been told, whether it's by religion or other things, we have let so much get in the way of understanding who he is. And and when I think about the question, who is this Jesus? You know, we we said it earlier, he was God and man. He was influential. He is for everybody. And for this episode and this whole series up until the Easter message, we're going to pray... At the end of, the, each, of the, each of these episodes, and, and more specifically, I'm going to pray for salvations. I'm going to pray, and and if you're one of those people and and you, you want to get to know Jesus better, that that's all. that's that's the simplest way to say it. You want to get to know Jesus. You want to have a relationship with Him, and, and really, all the salvation prayer is, it, it's, it's taking, it's acknowledging. Our sin. It's acknowledging our shortfalls. And it's accepting Jesus Christ, not only as Lord, but as Savior. It's its knowing that he went to the cross and died for our sins and he rose on the third day. It, it's believing that and, and walking in that. And so I want to lead you in that prayer. And, and at the end of this, if you pray this prayer, like I want you to let us know. I want you to let me know and you can literally email thisisvantagepoint at gmail.com and say, I prayed that prayer. And I will help you uh, with those next steps because it'll be the greatest decision that you've made, literally, the greatest decision you've made in your life. And I just ask you to just just literally repeat after me It says, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins. And you rose from the dead I turn from my sins And I invite you to come into my heart and life I want to trust and follow you As my Lord and Savior Amen And again, if you pray that prayer I'm telling you right now It is the most exciting moment of your life But it's just the beginning And again, reach out Let me know this is vantagepoint at gmail.com. I'll get you connected to resources. I'll get you, I'll walk with you through this journey. And then again, come back for week two. Share this message with people. If you've ever been asked the question, who is Jesus and why should I care? Or any of those things, I'm telling you, get people connected to this episode and stay tuned for week two of Vantage Point. Next week, we'll catch you later.